Hi listeners, welcome to the first episode of Our Right Stories, our new podcast series produced and delivered by Just Right Scotland's team, the podcast that explores the topic of human rights in Scotland, what they are, why they are important, and the value of the universality with your host, Natalia. Today we welcome our guest speakers, Andy Sorrell, the legal director at Just Right Scotland and responsible for our Scottish Refugee and Migrant Center and our Scottish Anti-Trafficking and Exploitation Center, and Graham O'Neill, policy manager at the Scottish Refugee Council. So welcome, guys. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Very well, very well. Good to be here today. (laughs) I know, you guys are on our first podcast episode ever. Really exciting mm-hmm. stuff. The, the debut. <laughs> the debut. Not, ner- not nervous at all. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> but we make it through. Um, so let's go ahead and jump in. I'd like to welcome you both, our guest speakers today, as we discuss the new migration bill, which is being debated at the House of Lords at the committee stage is scheduled. And we're going to look at the impact of this bill in Scotland. So just to kind of ease into this, Andy, if you had met someone and had to describe the new so-called illegal migration bill using five words, how would you describe it? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I would start with unlawful, cruel, Mm. unworkable, unnecessary, and wasteful. And wasteful. Wasteful, yeah. Okay. Wow, these are like all very powerful words I'm getting. Yeah. And I'm curious, like, these are the words you're describing, the legal migrant bill. So could you kind of explain more why you think that these are the five words? Well, the bill effectively uh, bans or abolishes the asylum process for, for most people who come to the UK to seek international protection. It, it provides for indefinite detention of mm. men, women and children. It uh, excludes individuals from ever obtaining an immigration status, you know, the right to live here in the UK or British citizenship. Uh, it, it sort of tries to remove people to Rwanda or Albania. Uh, and it, it contains some really negative stuff around victims of trafficking and children. Um, you know, my view is that there's lots of parts to this bill that I think are unlawful. Uh, my view is that it is a really cruel piece of legislation. It's unnecessary. There are other ways to try and solve some of the problems that it's trying to, to solve. Um, it's it's not going to work, I don't think. You know, this idea that we can remove tens of thousands of people to Rwanda, mm. I don't think anyone thinks that that is something that can possibly work. And it's, you know... I don't like particularly talking about the money side of it, but it is massively expensive, mm-hmm. unnecessarily so. You know, if you were a, a person that was in favour of, like, you know, conserving money, fiscal conservatism, they would call it, uh, this is not that. You know, this is something that's massively expensive. So it's just something that, you know, it's a shame it's with us. And, you know, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about what it actually means for, 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 for people in their day-to-day lives but, uh, and what our organisations are doing against it. But, yeah, those are kind of my initial thoughts. If, if an alien came from outer space and asked me to explain it, that's how I would probably try and do it. So can you give us a brief summary of what the asylum system looks like now? Yeah, sure. The, 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 the asylum system just now 
uh, looks like a person coming into the UK. Uh, they they fear persecution in their home country, whether that is Iran or Sudan or Afghanistan. Uh, they uh, submit an application to the Home Office, so the, the branch of government that's responsible for immigration in the UK. Uh, they go through an initial interview, uh, at which point they're accommodated uh, somewhere and they're provided with uh, a, a very low uh, monetary stipend. So that, Important to know, asylum seekers are not allowed to work, claim benefits, access housing, uh, uh, you know, a, a lot of things they're not allowed to do. So they're provided with accommodation that's either in, a, in the community, in, a, in an apartment of some kind, usually the, the tail end of the housing stock, to be honest. Uh, and if they're in the community, they're provided with uh, about £6 a day to live on for mm. all of their travel, uh, food, clothing or they're housed in a hotel where they, they may get a couple of meals a day and they're provided with, I think it's around a pound 30 a day to uh, uh, for all of their travel and communication and clothing. Uh, they uh, will usually, if they're, if, if they're fortunate, I suppose, engage a lawyer. They will help uh, explain what's happened to them. They'll be interviewed by the Home Office over uh, what's usually two, three, four hours where the Home Office uh, will ask them lots of questions to understand why they've fled and why they can't go back. Uh, and then they'll get a decision at the very end which says, you are a refugee, here's uh, leave to remain, you know, permission to live in the UK, uh, on you go. Or they'll receive a refusal which says, we don't think you meet the definition of a refugee, we think you can go back to your home country. At which point they can access uh, you know, the courts to try and challenge that decision. This process used to take around six months. Mm -hmm. uh, now it can take three, four years. Oh. The, the Home Office have really slowed down on their decision making. Uh, and so that's what the, the SAM system looks like now. This bill uh, radically changes that. Uh, if you come into the United Kingdom um, uh, in order to claim asylum, uh, uh, you you are not allowed to. They are saying you are not allowed to claim asylum anymore because you entered the UK illegally. Most people who claim asylum in the UK enter illegally because there is no other way to enter the UK. There is literally no route to enter in. There's not a visa or some kind of scheme that allows you in. Mm -hmm. uh, so this bill says if you entered the UK illegally, you cannot claim asylum anymore. We will detain you. We need, we must remove you to another country. Uh, Rwanda is the country that's on everyone's lips there. If we can't remove you, okay, well, you can stay here, but we will never give you permission to live here. Mm. And you will exist here in limbo for the rest of your life. And it doesn't matter whether you're a woman, whether you're pregnant, whether you're a child, or whether you're a victim of trafficking that was forced to come here. That's a fundamental change in the way uh, this bill uh, is changing our system. Uh, and that's uh, sort of <laughs> the place to start <laughs> when we're talking about today. Sadly. Sadly. I mean, those are all important facts as well. And I, I think as well, it's one of those things where you hear so much negative things around it. And I think a lot of people initially think like, well, okay. But like, what else can you do? And I think apart from that, it's also 
kind of pushing the point that you know like where it's labeled here the illegal migration bill and mm. it's not really tackling that kind of issue at all it's just demonizing a whole kind of group of people rather mm. than actually solving an issue that's that we experience through organizations mm-hmm. no I, I absolutely agree i mean graham what do you think the name itself is frankly wrong and insulting but you know what what, what what's your take I mean, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's all of the things that Andy said. You know, uh, it was a very kind of comprehensive and and as you said, powerful uh, kind of like words to describe what the so-called illegal migration bill is. It's an ugly, ugly piece of legislation that's being proposed. It's deeply, deeply irresponsible in terms of what it will do to people. If we just stand back and and, and consider what actually is happening here mm. is that you have the UK government, as Andy says, effectively abolishing the right for people to seek asylum, to seek refugee protection. And then if we recall in that vein where that right flows from, and it's flows from, it's a, you know, it's a beautiful thing, um, is the international community's revulsion at the horrors of the the mass murder the against Jewish people mm. in Europe uh, in this during the Second World War by the Nazi regime that international communities resolve to say we're not going to have people wandering around many of which were Jewish people who had suffered in the Holocaust wandering around not able to enter countries to be safe and to start to rebuild their lives. And f- and those origins are profound. Probably the most profound uh, pieces of international law, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which is the right to asylum, the Refugee Convention, the Geneva Convention itself, which is there to give people that right to access a country to have their asylum, their protection needs, their lives considered Mm -hmm. and to rebuild their lives in that place, including for us in the UK. So that's the origins of what's happening here. Now Mm -hmm. we have the current Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, eh, on the scene. Mm -hmm. And for her, short term, and for other powerful interests around her, short term interests, they are betraying those profound origins mm-hmm. and they are laying out, as Andy said, the abolition of that right to asylum in the UK. They are laying out in a further egregious move, a further sick move, they're laying out the abolition of the ability for people to be protected from traffic to exploitation, which I'm sure we'll get into later on in the podcast. And the reason we talk in those terms is not <laughs> giving us any satisfaction at Scottish Refugee Council at all. It's to name this for what it is, which is a, a sick, ugly piece of legislation which will kill people, mm-hmm. will lead to people losing their lives, either trying to come to the UK, be it through the so-called small boats eh, or through other clandestine routes because there is no ability that the UK state has provided 
to people who they know want to seek safety here. There's a very small number of the world's refugees come to the UK, a minute number, and that's not going to change. The UK government stubbornly, irresponsibly refuses to provide people um, with safe, humanitarian-based travel to come to the UK and then seek protection. None of us in this room can make that happen. Only states can make those things happen. Mm -hmm. And the UK government has turned the other way, turned its back on those people who will lose and have lost their lives in the English Channel, who have lost their lives, many of whom we won't know, um, in, in the back of refrigerated lorries, like what happened to the to the, the 39 people from Vietnam a couple of years ago. Um, so the legislation is something that needs to be understood with the gravity of what it is. And hopefully we'll talk about later about why understanding the gravity of what it's doing will lead to, amongst other bodies, the Scottish Government actually taking actions which are commensurate with that gravity of risk and harm that will ensue from this legislation. Yeah, no, I mean, building upon that, let's talk about like the constitutional lawfulness of this bill. Like, mm. Well, there's a few good few things that I have to say about that anyway. Mm. Before I do that, one of the uh, really important things that, that Graham mentioned there um, is about uh, routes into the country. Mm. So a lot of people will, will see you know, the small boat crossings and say, well, why don't they just come in legally? And that's what the government says, yeah. you know. But the the reality and the fact of life is that that is impossible. There is no legal route to come into the United Kingdom to claim asylum. It simply mm -hmm. does not exist. It used to exist before um, we left the European Union. There was a, a law called the Dublin Regulation that allowed people to enter the UK to join family members and claim asylum, but that's gone. Mm. So actually there is none at all. Uh, and we used to have a fair range, I would say, of resettlement schemes where people would uh, come into the UK, for example, Syria is the one that most people will be familiar with, where they were uh, uh, brought into the UK by the government and, and, and they came in with refugee status. We had a few of those, but most of them have closed. So actually by 2020, most of them closed out. Mm. So we had the situation where um, there is no way to enter the UK and then claim asylum once you're here. Uh, and there are very few other routes to come in with protection. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I don't think it's a coincidence that at that point in time, the small boats increased. In terms of your um, question about the like the constitutional nature of of the of the bill, it's a really good one, and um, because we're in a relatively unusual situation here in Scotland, like our colleagues in England are not in the situation we're in, and it's because of the way that the law works between Scotland and England. So in 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 Scotland we have our own government and we have our own parliament, right, mm -hmm. and that uh, is born out of something called devolution. And the simplest way to describe devolution is that there are there's one bucket of laws that are responsible, uh, the responsibility of Westminster in London. Let's call that the reserved bucket. And then there's a second bucket of laws 
and areas of law that are the responsibility of Scotland in the Scottish Parliament, Holyrood. Uh, in the reserve bucket, there's like immigration, national security, employment, and um, like welfare benefits. But actually, most of the other stuff is in the, the devolved bucket, bucket number two. So that's like justice, health, education, etc. That's why we have a different court system up here. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, the and that bucket's called the devolved bucket. So that that's the first thing to understand that there's these two areas of law that we have. The second thing to understand is that uh, for a long, long time there's been like an agreement between the two governments that Westminster will not like pass legislation with about things that are in the devolved bucket. Right? It came, there's this thing called the vow. Okay, and it was made, I can see you laughing. <laughs> the vow was an agreement between Alex Hammond and David Cameron, remember them, uh, after the Scottish independence referendum. And it wrote into law that Westminster will not uh, legislate in you know, Scottish child law or Scottish criminal justice. You know, it's sort of protecting Scottish uh, uh, hmm. legal system. So that's the second point to note. And the third point to note about Scotland and our parliament and our government uh, is a point about the European Convention on Human Rights. So that's the pan-European convention, again, born out of World War II, similar similar era to the Refugee Convention. Mm -hmm. It's what gives us, you, me, in this room, the right to freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, protection against torture. It's why the police can't beat you up if they arrest you, etc., etc., Uh, and that is like hardwired into our parliament and our government. It's completely out with the powers of our parliament and our government to act in contravention of this European Convention. So those are the three ground rules that we need to understand when we think about Scotland and England and Westminster and Holyrood. Now, most of what's in this bill deals with the first bucket, reserved. Okay, so. The, the asylum ban that we're talking about, the detention of people, removing people, the giving and taking of immigration status. That's all bucket number one in Westminster. But there are things that are clearly in the devolved bucket. And the vow uh, and uh, the convention, the agreement between the two parliaments is that they wouldn't do that. So in spe- specifically two areas in trafficking, so the way that uh, victims of trafficking are treated and the way that unaccompanied children are treated this bill really goes after those two things um, so for victims of trafficking for example this bill says if you're a victim of trafficking if you've been exploited in scotland maybe you've been exploited in a cannabis farm or uh, you've been sexually exploited mm-hmm. uh, you are entitled at this point in time and it's an obligation really on the state to protect you to try and support you to help you recover and to catch the traffickers. Mm-hmm. Uh, this bill strips victims of trafficking of support. They say, no, no, we will not help you. We will not give you shelter. We will not give you support uh, according to uh, the way it's done just now, purely because you may have entered in a small boat or you may have entered unlawfully. Wow. So it, it's a fairly significant grab. Mm-hmm. Um, and. What's really interesting about that, uh, apart from the horror of it in reality, and we'll speak about that in a second, I'm sure, but what's really interesting about that is that Westminster has just effectively taken a power that the Scottish government uh, uses to support victims of trafficking. And it's just written a law, a 
piece of the bill that says ah, that power does not apply anymore uh, and that's new okay we haven't been in a situation where Westminster just writes laws that say you know what you're doing in Scotland that doesn't apply there's usually like a process yeah. for example with gender reform just now the, the UK government went through a process mm -hmm. it's called section 35 and they give reasons and they announce it to parliament and it's all official this is now this is new they're just saying it doesn't apply so that's the first thing that's really unusual about this bill and why I think it's really problematic. Yeah. And the second reason it's really problematic is because, you know, we, we give protection to victims of trafficking mm -hmm. because it's a right. Okay? It's a right not to be trafficked. So and the state needs to try and protect you. And remember what I said about the European Convention on Human Rights? Mm -hmm. The Scottish government are not allowed to breach it. It's like the core of their power. They're, they cannot do it. This is a case where, uh, by not providing that support, they will breach it, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And so you've got this really weird situation where London is forcing Scotland to violate the European Convention on Human Rights and actually breach its own powers. Uh, and if this all sounds weird, it's because it is. Yeah, and it's, it's new. And, and, you know, I'm wondering how we can possibly function as an actual country, <laughs> the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, if our laws work like this and our lawmakers do not get on and they can just, you know, write random things and disapply certain powers, it's a, it's a very strange time to be a lawmaker, I'm sure, but it's a terrible time to be a rights holder like we all are and, mm -hmm. and the individuals we're talking about. Um, and so I think there are serious constitutional problems with it. We're in new territory and we'll just have to see how it, it plays out yeah i mean i'm to be fair like i'm kind of stunned into silence because i didn't know how just it just doesn't make sense like yeah. the more I, I learn about this bill the more i'm like how can this possibly still be mm. even talked about or debated mm -hmm. like there's just no way mm. um and you do mention like particular for like survivors of human trafficking and and it's essential to protect them because obviously it's just they're right like there's mm -hmm. nobody should be arguing that to begin with mm -hmm. but apart from that um you also kind of mentioned how this bill will impact unaccompanied children mm. and i'm kind of curious like how how does that bill kind of affect them mm -hmm. yeah i mean so the, <clears throat> the bill the bill seriously well attacks anybody who entered the country yeah. uh, to seek protection really but survivors of trafficking and, and, and unaccompanied children in particular uh, i mentioned survivors of trafficking they're being stripped of their support if you think i mean 93 percent of of victims of trafficking in scotland are, are migrants so mm -hmm. like what we know is actually the vast majority of people will will be affected by this legislation if it comes to pass and what what it looks like in practice is uh, you know let's imagine it's uh, uh, you know, I can think of clients that we work with here at JRS, you know, a, a woman who's been sexually exploited uh, and she uh, escapes and is uh, given support by an organisation called TARA, which is a, mm. a, an organisation, Trafficking Awareness Raising Alliance, based here in Glasgow, provided safe house accommodation, access to medical assistance, access to counselling, access to financial stipend, all sorts of, all sorts of things. Uh, and you know we're we're working with a number of women right now who who who, who access this support, 
and it's life-changing. Uh, but something that's really important is if you are in the game of catching baddies, basically, catching traffickers, mm -hmm. which I assume we all are, and I assume indeed the Conservative government are, mm -hmm. uh, that then this is not a good thing. Because in order to prosecute traffickers and criminals, you need the cooperation of the people that are the victims. But the victims, if they're being stripped of their support, are not going to want to cooperate. They're going to be afraid. They're being told, oh, you're a victim of trafficking, and we're going to detain you and remove you to Rwanda or Albania. Uh, sorry. And so they're obviously not going to be inclined to, to, to come mm -hmm. forward and cooperate with the police. So the very low number of trafficking co uh, prosecutions that we have right now, they're, they're going to go down. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know we have a number of clients that we can think of that that uh, you know the the prosecutions have only gone ahead because of their testimony. Mm -hmm. So that'll end. When it comes to unaccompanied minors, uh, the Home Office is effectively giving itself the power to look after them, which uh, is usually reserved to you know social work departments mm -hmm. that are, are you know the Western world over look after children, not the immigration department not famously well known for quality care or child-centred uh, approaches, but the, the this bill gives the Home Office the power to look after children themselves. Mm -hmm. Usually it's gonna be in hotels, it's kind of the thing that we see just now. Um, and it means that they have the power to tell local authorities when you start looking after a young person and when you stop. And that's really problematic because, you know, I think about our clients that are kids you know, a lot of them are victims of trafficking. A lot of them are victims of torture, like mm -hmm. survivors of torture. Uh, a number of them have got, you know, really d difficult mental health crises that they manage through. Uh, there's, you know, routine risks around suicide, ideation and whatnot. And they're intensely vulnerable. Mm -hmm. uh, and as a result, you know, they get proper best interest assessments you know, by professionals in our local authority social work departments who are, you know, trying their very best within the resources that they have. Um, the idea that you just get removed from that and then chucked in a hotel by the Home Office and provided really with none of that specialist support, mm -hmm. uh, I don't think we need to let our imagine, imaginations run too far into seeing where that ends. You know, you're going to see young people probably uh, run away mm -hmm. uh, from care. Uh, and you know, if you're a trafficker or working in serious organised crime, mm -hmm. it's really low hanging fruit, isn't it? it? You know, it's not going to be difficult to recruit people and uh, uh, and exploit people who are being pushed away by the effects of this bill. So that's what it's going to look like uh, on the ground for those two, uh, th th just those two examples of mm -hmm. of folks. It's very sad to see. It is. It is super sad. And I, I, to be fair, I didn't realize, one, how much support, it's not really how much support, but some support that is there now, mm -hmm. and I didn't realize how much would be taken away, mm -hmm. which, like, you make such a good point, like, especially, you know, if, like you said, you know, we're in the business of catching baddies, and if we need the support of these survivors, the fact that we're making it harder and harder for them to be able to help or to even, you know, have confidence that they're going to be helped. I mean, yeah, that's... Uh, absolutely. Just... And, and you know, I'll, 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 I'll 
past the grave in a second, but like the the while all this is going on, and this is what the detail is in the bill, mm-hmm. and we know this because we work with the people that are going to be affected. So when you switch on your television set and put on Question Time or the news at night, and you see a government minister saying, this bill will break the business model of traffickers. And that's what they say. And I'm, I'm looking at that and I think, that is the opposite Honestly. of what it's doing. <laughs> it's doing. It is creating more... Uh, product for mm-hmm. the traffickers. That's what they. Uh, that's what they must be jumping with joy. They're going to make a lot of money uh, unless we do something to try and alter this bill in Scotland, which I hope we can. I'm always keen to try and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure I, we will in this podcast go towards the positive of what we can do. <laughs> yes. Like you know, we need to be realistic about what we're facing. The sad reality of it all. Well, thank you so much, Andy, for all that information, and thank you, Graham, as well, for your information input. This is such a good episode. I've learned so much already, and there's so much more information that we have. So we're going to go ahead and pause it here, and we're going to pick up next week. So make sure to join us for the second half of our Refugee Ban Bill episode. Also, make sure to follow, like, subscribe the podcast, share, share, share everywhere. All the support is welcome. You can also find the Scottish Refugee Council and Just Right Scotland on their social media platforms and their websites. Double check the show notes for those links and we will see you next week.